Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader podcast. Today we are going to be talking about hunting. So just a disclaimer, if you're a vegan, vegetarian, or just don't agree with hunting, feel free to tune in next week. But for those of you who are interested, I'm going to be talking about our experienced turkey hunting this year. I'll be talking about the crazy story of how it happened, um, how we processed the birds, and how we have cooked some of the parts of them so far, and how I'm actually very, very impressed by the quality of the meat. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Girly Homesteader Podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a part-time homesteader with a full-time love for makeup. This podcast focuses on traditional homesteading topics like gardening, chickens, beekeeping, hunting, fishing, being in harmony with nature, food preservation, cooking, etc. But it also touches on the girly side of things like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and homekeeping. So, if you're ready to learn more about homesteading and keep your girly side along the way, let's get started. So first of all, I have to say that I did not grow up in a family that really was anywhere near remotely attached or exposed to hunting um, or guns or anything, okay? So like this whole world, I did not grow up in. So there's times like when I was dressed up in camo, ready to go turkey hunting, that I have to just like laugh almost because the life that I'm living right now is nowhere at all the life that I thought I would be living when I was younger, okay? So again, I did not grow up in a home uh, where hunting was like okay and that guns were okay. Um, Actually, I definitely had like the stereotypical view that hunting was redneck and kind of trashy. And I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't have that opinion, but you probably also know though that most people who have not been exposed to it and the actual beauty of it and the purpose of it, a lot of people just think that hunting is trashy. And so I, (laughs) when I met my husband, um, I knew that he was into hunting or well that he at least he would go hunting with his family and that he grew up around it and believe me when we met I was kind of like uh I don't know about this but the thing that his family um really places an importance in like their big rule when it comes to hunting is that you do not aim at an animal that you have no intention of eating or using for a purpose. So I will say, I am not a fan of trophy hunting, um, like going out just to kill an animal just so you can put it up on the wall. Now, yes, we do have deer um, antlers and we have skulls in our house. And so, yes, they are the trophies, but the rest of that animal does go to good use. And so when... <laughs> When my husband and I um, had just started dating and, um, well, I guess we hadn't just started dating at this point, but my husband started getting more into hunting after we got married. 
and he wanted to get into bow hunting specifically because that's what you can do the most here in Ohio, really. There's only like two or three weekends um, where you can use a gun in Ohio for deer hunting, and so he wanted to get into bow hunting. And so ever since then, he's gotten more and more into it. And because I see him go into so much thought and science and planning and just so much observing and researching, I have come to learn, as most of you probably know by now too, that hunting isn't just about throwing on some camo, grabbing your gun, and shooting an animal. That's not what it is at all. There is an art to it. There's a lot of work. And yes, there is also a lot of luck that goes into it too, like our experience this year with turkeys. Um, But there is a lot more to it than what it seems from the outside world. And so I definitely know that now. And we always have a great appreciation for the animals' lives that we take. Now, the thing is, though, this year, I was the one to pull the trigger. And I had never done that. So this was a pretty big year, um, pretty big deal. Now I will say that I was a lot more prepared for it because because last summer we did decide to cull our rooster because we didn't want to deal with him. He was annoying. He was mean. Well, he was about to be mean. Like you could tell that he was still scared of us but you knew he didn't like us. And he was also very frustrating and very like, I don't know, he was causing stress in the rest of the flock. And so we made the decision last year. Now, I will say we didn't want him. He wasn't supposed to be a rooster. He was supposed to be a hen. Um, But when we found out that he wasn't, we thought, all right, maybe we can live with this. Maybe we can live with a rooster, but we just couldn't. At least right now where we are, our level of homesteading with the amount of space that we have and the amount of chickens that we have, we just didn't need the, the, we just didn't need a rooster. And so we made the choice to call him. And so doing that, I was very hands-on in that process and doing that definitely prepared me for this hunting expedition in the spring here. And I'm glad that we did do that. Now, of course, it's different though when you are taking the life of a wild animal. Because, I mean, yes, even though we didn't get our rooster with the intention of killing him, it was easier to kind of accept what was happening just because he didn't have another purpose for us. I mean, yes, he could have been a pet, but he wasn't a nice pet <laughs> to have. Um, so it was just easier to take care of things, you know? Um, but with a wild animal, it's very different because their life has nothing to do with yours. You get to observe them, but that's it. You are impeding in their home, okay? And so the whole process, it was definitely, and it wasn't eye-opening because I was ready for it and I knew what was coming because I have been turkey hunting with my husband probably three years before this year. Um, We had always been unsuccessful though. So I mean, I knew what was coming. I have shot at a turkey before and he was too far away so we didn't get him. He was fine. But um, so I mean, like I knew what to expect. I knew what was coming, but it was still, it's just a very strange feeling especially because we had never eaten turkey before and so I was hoping that the meat was going to be delicious and that we would feel it was worthwhile but at the same time I wasn't sure 
because by now we depend on venison so much that it is the main red meat staple for us in our home. Um, but with turkey, there were a lot of unknowns. So anyways, there's just some philosophical rambling about the whole experience. Um, <laughs> but here's the story of what happened. So as I said, we have tried turkey hunting probably four years, like ever since we pa uh, ever since we moved to our current property, our current homestead. So we do have some land here. And so we've tried to get turkeys in the past, but have never been successful. We've seen turkeys most of the years, but in one year we were able to shoot at one, like I said, but he was too far out. And so we've never, never been successful. Now in Ohio, specifically in Greene County where I am, turkeys are declining. So that holds a throw a, a it throws a whole other wrench into this predicament because with deer, as you know, if you live in the Midwest, deer are very, very prevalent and hunting them is actually a good thing because it does help with population control because here in Ohio, specifically in Greene County where I am, we really don't have many predators. And that's because Greene County is very, very flat. Um, is mostly farmland. So with all of that farmland that is around, um, we have wiped out a lot of the predators of deer. And so there are too many of them here. So hunting for deer, it's a lot easier mentally than hunting for a turkey because going into it, you know that they are scarce. Um, and actually last year, the rules for Greene County is that each person was allowed two, two turkeys, two toms. And this year, they had to decrease it to just one turkey per person just because the population is declining. Now, it's obviously not declining so much that they've stopped turkey hunting completely. But the crazy thing, though, is that the statistics for Greene County here in Ohio, last time we checked, were that in our entire county, and our county, I mean, it's not like we live in like the middle of nowhere. Um, there's quite a lot of people in Greene County. But the crazy thing, though, is that in Greene County, in Ohio, for this spring 2022 turkey season, only 17 turkeys were taken. And of those 17, my husband and I got two. I know I'm spoiling it, but we got two. And so that just shows you how limited these turkeys are. And really the only reason we got two was pure luck, okay? So let me get into the story. So we were planning to go out, well, hopefully just one morning to go out turkey hunting. Um, and if you don't know, um, turkey hunting is only allowed from dawn until noon, at least in our area. So we go out in the morning, we're all amped up, you know, we have our camo, we have our coffee, we're sitting in our blind and we're all excited, but we don't hear any gobbles like we have heard in the past because I mean there have been other years where we walk out and we're hearing the gobbles as we are walking out to the the blind and we're all excited but then nothing happens and so this year we didn't hear a freaking thing and we were like uh now what so we were a little discouraged but we thought who knows maybe this is what we need actually we don't want to hear them early that way we can actually get one the exact opposite of what we've experienced in the past um, but we gave it our all that first day. We stayed out pretty late and it started getting hot. And we said, well, all right, I guess this day just wasn't the day for us. And that was opening day of the season. So luckily opening the second day uh, was a Sunday. Yeah, so we were off. 
And we decided, all right, we'll go out again. And that day we decided, you know, we're going to give it a try, but we're not going to sit out as long. We're going to get on with the rest of our day. So it was probably, geez, seven o'clock. Um, so, I mean, we had only been sitting for like, I don't know, an hour and a half at most. Um, so around seven, we say, all right, we're just calling it. That's fine. Because remember, we've never gotten a turkey before. And it's not like it's something that we bank on, like with deer. Um, so we thought, that's okay. We're just going to cut our losses. We'll go try and find some morel mushrooms. So we start walking around and it's just my husband and I, and we didn't bring anything with us. We left, just left it in the blind. We were going to swing around back to grab our things later. Um, and so, you know, we're just walking around talking pretty loudly. Like we weren't trying at all to be quiet. And so we're walking through this field and we hear a gobble, like really close to us, really close. And so we both hear it. We look at each other and we're like, holy shit. And so my husband, he whispers and he's like, okay, we're going to run. We're going to run back to the blind. And so we run back to the blind and like, mind you, my camo pants do not fit me very well. They are way too tight on my thighs. And so I have my big hiking boots on. I have my too tight camo pants and we're trying to run through this field and we do make it back to our blind. And, you know, we're out of breath. We're all excited. And so we get settled in. And so the way that we do turkey hunting when it's the two of us is that I'm the one with a gun and he's the one with a call because I don't know how to do that. And so he's calling, he's observing, and then I'm the one who's pulling the trigger. And so we get settled in, we get set up, and he lets out a call. And we're just waiting, listening, our hearts are racing. And then about five minutes later, we hear one gobble again. And we get all excited. I think my husband probably let out another call or two. And then over the hill, this little hill, we see five toms, five boys coming up over the hill. And as soon as they see our decoys in front of us, they start fluffing up their tail feathers, fanning out. They're getting all big and puffy. And they start coming in pretty darn quick once they see those decoys. And so, you know, you could see the big guy out in front, the biggest one of them all. He was the goal. And as soon as he got in range, boom, we dropped him. I dropped him. And that was that. But then what happened was completely unexpected. The other four, they didn't leave. They had no idea what to do. They were like completely confused. And actually two of them went over to the one that I had gotten and kind of like was attacked. They were attacking him on the ground. It was very strange. I don't know if they were trying to like show their dominance over him or something, because now that the big guy was out of the way, maybe they were trying to be like the most manly so they could mate. I don't know. I'm not a turkey, <laughs> but they just stayed there. And so my husband said, Hey, give me the gun. And then boom, he dropped the second largest one. And so we're kind of like dumbfounded also because we're looking out there and the other three turkeys still have not left. They're just standing there confused. And so we're just celebrating because, of course, as I said, we've tried this for a few years now, never been successful. And then our first success, we get two of them. We're just like over the moon, excited, completely just like on a high. And then these other guys, they still haven't left. So finally, we decide, OK, we're just going to stand up. And then once they saw us and they ran off. So we went out to retrieve our turkeys. And I tell you, that feeling was just amazing because as I was saying in the beginning of this podcast, 
hunting isn't just about luck. There's a lot more that goes into it. And yes, it does take a lot of luck because, yeah, I mean, we just happen to be in the right place at the right time. But when you do put effort into the land like we do to create habitats for these animals, when you do put in the time to track them and see their patterns and all of those things, there is an art to it. And so after all of that time and effort for us to actually finally get a payoff, because I mean, this has been like four years in the making, we were just absolutely ecstatic. So then we called in the two birds, got them tagged, and we took them home. And so the cool thing is that these birds, they're beautiful. Now, I will say, I think turkeys, like their heads, male turkeys are really weird looking, um, but their feathers are gorgeous. And so after the break, I'm gonna get into how we process them and into some of the meals that we have had with the turkey meat. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Beauty Counter, the non-toxic skincare brand that I've been using for over two years now and has absolutely saved my skin. As a homesteader, you put so much thought into your gardening and animal husbandry practices because you know the benefits to your health, but your skin is your largest organ. So when you switch to non-toxic products, you can improve your health even more than what you've already done so far through homesteading. Click the link in the show notes to shop with me. So as I said, the feathers on these turkeys are gorgeous. They're like iridescent. They're just absolutely beautiful. Um, we have saved the tails and we also saved some of the wing feathers from the turkeys. But honestly, we haven't dealt with them yet. Them yet. Um, the garden has been like going crazy. And so we've just been busy with all the typical outdoor things of mid-May. Um, but anyways, with wild turkey, what we researched, because again, this is our first time doing it. Um, what we researched is that most people, they will really just save the legs, thighs, and then the breast meat from the turkeys. Um, most people generally don't deal with the wings because it's just a lot of work for the small amount of meat that you get off of them. So when we brought the turkeys home, um, my husband looked up a YouTube video about how you do it and I helped him. And honestly, it was really just like cleaning a dove, which he is familiar with. Um, he will go dove hunting and we eat those. Um, but we had to learn how to take the legs off of the animal. So the other thing too, is that most people with wild turkeys, they don't actually save the skin. So in my head, I was expecting like, ooh, this wild turkey, it's like what we can deep fry at Thanksgiving. But really that's not what most people do. They take the legs and thighs off without the skin, and they also take the breast meat off without the skin. And so it really wasn't that hard. We just looked on YouTube, found some videos, and it went pretty easily. So we did kind of the processing in like two phases. The first phase, he definitely led. Um, so he just took the meat off of the bones and out of the skin, and then we put him in some bags and stuck him in the fridge until I was ready to deal with him later. We did the same thing with the breast meat. And so as I said at the beginning, we really want to make sure that the animals are used up as much as they can be. So we did not just throw the rest of that meat away. Yes, I could have taken it to make bone broth. I could have done that, but I just didn't want to. I had lots of bones from chicken in the freezer already. I just didn't want to deal with it. And so we just set the turkey 
turkeys, two of them, um, out at the ev- edge of our property and let nature take care of them. And honestly, we walked by a couple days later and the carcasses were completely gone. So some happy coyote or fox or something got a good meal. So the turkeys did not go to waste. But as I said too, we also saved some of the wings and the tails. And so we have yet to deal with those. Um, but in terms of the meat, we left the thighs and the legs on the bone still. Oh, I probably said that incorrectly earlier. The breast meat, we took off the bone and out of the skin. Now the legs and the thighs, those he just cut off the bird and left the skin on the carcass. Okay. So in my fridge, I had the leg and the thigh on the bone. And then I had the breast meat separate without any bone. So what we had also heard too, is that with the legs and thighs, most people say that they are pretty darn tough and that to eat it and have it taste good, you generally need to either slow cook it or put it in a pressure cooker. And so we do have an instant pot. I've talked about that with using it for venison in the uh, before. Um, but to me, that just seems like the safest option. So, so far we have made two meals out of the turkey. We have used the dark meat and also the white meat. And so in my mind, it just seemed a little bit safer (laughs) to, um, start out with a meat that was pressure cooked just because I know how well a pressure cooker works at making something soft. And so my husband had gotten, I don't know, some like outdoor Ohio magazine or something. And it had a recipe for wild turkey jambalaya. And I thought, okay, this would be a great way to start out because there's two different proteins in the jambalaya. There was the turkey and then also the sausage. So I thought that it would be a safe bet to see if we even like the meat. And then if we don't, well, we can grind it up and we can use it in burgers or something like that or in meatloaf. Um, So this just seemed like a safe way for us to try um, the turkey. And I will say that dealing with the meat after the fact was kind of a pain just because we had left the thigh and the leg still together. And so when they sat in the fridge, the joint got really, really stiff and it was very hard to work with. Um, I was able to cut around the joint enough so that I could get the leg to bend more. I have no idea how in the world I would have been able to get that joint apart because it was a much bigger joint than like a chicken, much bigger. Um, I probably would have needed a meat cleaver or something like that, but I don't have that. But luckily though, I just have your standard size Instant Pot. Um, I was able to, (laughs) oh, you should have seen me. I was able to bend the leg and thigh and I was able to fit two of them in my Instant Pot, but like I had to bend them and then like immediately put the lid on so that I could get them to stay in there. Um, But once I did that, I pressure cooked the meat for... Um, I think it was for like two hours on high pressure and I will say the meat fell off the bones perfectly and it was very, very soft. Um, I don't know if you've ever, uh, cleaned a deer or something like that, but you know that the bottom portions of the legs, there's so many little ligaments, so many little tendons and stuff like that, that getting the meat off when it is raw is just basically impossible. And that is exactly how the leg portion of a wild turkey is. There's just so many little pieces and I wasn't really expecting much when I opened up the Instant Pot. I really wasn't. 
but every single little tendon, every single piece of bone, everything just pulled right out of the meat and I was able to um, dispose of it, you know, put it outside for someone to make a meal of. So I was very, very impressed. Now, I seasoned the, because I was going to be making this jambalaya, I seasoned it with some paprika, garlic, onions, um, thyme, I think, rosemary, I don't know, lots of good things. I kind of slightly followed the recipe. I am not a recipe follower, <laughs> so I use it as a reference, but I threw lots of my own things in there too. And so I did try the meat on its own, and I will say on its own, it's probably not something that I would want to eat plain. Um, it's not that it tasted, well, it did taste gamey. Well, I don't like the word gamey because gamey just has a very bad connotation. It tasted wild, I guess is how you can put it. Like it definitely didn't taste like it came from the store. Um, but it was good. It wasn't like it was disgusting or anything, but I deemed that it was safe to put into this jambalaya. And so we happened to have my husband's family over and they were the guinea pigs along with us to try it. And I will say the jambalaya was fantastic. So I used some sausage. I, it was supposed to call for andouille sausage, but I was out. And so I put chorizo in there and it was delicious. I did accidentally make the jambalaya a little bit too spicy, but it was delicious. Um, so basically it had the wild turkey meat, which was pre-cooked. It had the chorizo, which should have been andouille sausage that was pre-cooked. Like I cooked it separately. And then you basically just simmer some tomatoes, peppers, um, garlic, onions all together. And then you make sure that there's enough liquid in there. That way you can cook rice. And so then you put the rice in at the last minute. You let that simmer for about 20 minutes or so. And once the rice is cooked, then you can add in um, the meat. So you can add in the chorizo and the turkey meat. And it was delicious. Now, we did also doctor it up like we do um, with chili. We had tons of toppings for it. We had shredded cheese. We had cherry tomatoes. We had green onions. We had sour cream, um, cilantro too. It was very good. And so, yeah, I was pretty impressed. So that's the first way that we prepared the turkey. And then just this past weekend, or this past week, we grilled the white meat and this is the meat that I was the most skeptical of just because we were grilling it and I was worried that it was going to be pretty darn hard, pretty darn tough. And I, well, some of our research had said that you generally with a white meat, you do want to brine it. And so if you have never brined um, chicken or anything before, basically all you're doing is you are letting the meat rest and sit in a saline kind of like solution along with herbs and spices and other things. And you can even put sugar in there as well. Um, and that will tenderize the meat. And it also draws those flavors all the way through the meat rather than just like a quick marinade that really only gets to the outside of the meat. So generally <laughs> when you are brining things, um, you only need to let the meat sit in there for like overnight. But just with the way that things worked out, <laughs> our turkey sat in the brine for an obscene amount of time. So like an obscene amount of time. It sat in there for six days. 
And so obviously that's a little iffy just because I don't like to keep things in the fridge for much longer than a week. Um, but it was just fine because again, there is that salt in there. And of course it was refrigerated too. Um, but in my brine, I put salt, peppercorns, bay leaves, rosemary, garlic. Um, I did put some maple syrup and it was delicious. So again, in our research, um, we saw that some people, when they grill the turkey, I think just because they're worried about it being tough, is they will slow cook it, kind of, on the grill. Like they will roast or smoke it, I should say, with indirect heat on the grill. But we didn't have time for that. We didn't want to do that. So we grilled it in the same manner that we grill um, chicken. And so the research that we did, it said that you should cut the turkey breast across or against the grain. And I don't know if I would do that um, because as we were grilling, we, the tenderloin, obviously it cooked first. And so we took that off the grill, let it rest a little bit. And while everything else was cooking, we just kind of sampled it. And I swear to you, this turkey was fantastic. And I should say that I am generally not a fan of turkey. Um, turkey is not one of my favorite things except for at Thanksgiving when it's deep fried. But this turkey... I don't even know like how to describe it. Now, of course, this was the tenderloin, so like the best part of the of the meat. But it tasted it was so tender, so tender, so soft, so juicy. Now I should say though, my husband is very good at grilling chicken, like very good at it. So this was right up his alley. But this tenderloin, it was cooked perfectly. It was so soft. The flavor was wonderful. It tasted like you were eating like really, really, really good turkey lunch meat, but it was hot and moist and just, ugh, it was so good. Now for the rest of the white meat, I do think that if I would have been more diligent about cutting it into thinner strips that were more tenderloin sized, and probably not against the grain, because that was the issue. When I cut it against the grain, the pieces got kind of like short and round and kind of fat and they were just completely different shape as the tenderloins and so I think that if I would have gone with my kind of like gut feeling of cutting the chicken or the sorry cutting the turkey in the same way that I cut up a chicken breast to grill I cut it long ways so that I get thin strips just like the tenderloin and I think that if I would have done that then the rest of the breast meat would have turned out good it's not that it was bad it's just that it did get dry um but the leftovers, we turned it into a delicious turkey salad with some homemade mayonnaise and some onion, and it was fantastic. So I am very happy to say that the turkey meat, um, it's gone over very well because, again, as I said, I was a little nervous that we were going to go through all of this work and then end up with something that we didn't like. But honestly, the turkey meat was amazing. Now, yes, brining it for six days probably had something to do with it, but hey, I mean, I'll gladly do that again. That's fine. If I can get that same quality of turkey at the end of it, I will gladly let it brine for six days. So um, that's it about wild turkeys. Um, it was a great experience. I'm super, super proud of us. Yes, it was luck, but it was also just a lot of care that we have put into this whole process. It's been four years in the making. 
Um, I do think that we deserved it. And so I am very, very proud that we are two of the 17 turkeys that were taken in Greene County this year. Um, it was delicious and honestly really wasn't that hard to cook. Um, the Instant Pot makes that dark meat super, super easy. And then the white meat, gosh, it was just as easy as throwing chicken on the grill. So I highly recommend it. Um, I know that probably by now everybody's turkey seasons are over. But next year, if you want to give it a try, do it. Um, do keep in mind, though, that it is a, at least around here, it is an animal that is on the decline. Um, so I guess all that means is just if you don't get one, don't feel bad. Just at least say, well, that'll just help the population increase for next year. So that is all for today. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you very, very much for listening to The Girly Homesteader. Thank you for listening to this episode all the way through. Um, and if you would, please leave me a review because I'd like to treat you by entering you into my monthly giveaway. So if you leave a review for the podcast, send a screenshot of it to me um, via Instagram DM at the girly homesteader, and I will enter you to win my monthly giveaway. I announce the winner at the beginning of each month, and I have lots of goodies to share. I have essential oils. I have skincare things. I have makeup things like the beautiful lip glosses that Beauty Counter makes. I am not a lip gloss person, but these lip glosses are so comfortable, so moisturizing. I'm able to put one on and really not have to reapply much throughout the night, which is very, very, very convenient when you are out just having fun. So um, thank you very much and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, follow me on Instagram at the Girly Homesteader.